Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Uh, Got to give a big shout out to Exeteran today. Saved me from getting a migraine at the worst possible time. Uh, so feeling better now, and there is a lot to discuss from today. I mean, you know that SEC Media Days is always going to be a newsy day anyway, but then you add in the fact that there was a pretty significant injury on top of that today, and that has left us with uh, plenty to talk about for this episode. It has. So we are live on site at SEC Media Day here in at, at Hoover, Alabama, yes. the Winfrey Hotel. Uh, my favorite location. Of all the ones I know between here and Atlanta, this is definitely my favorite location. It feels good to be back here, but as you were talking there about injury news, and it started very rare to get something like that on SEC Media Day. That is usually UK Media Day where we get something like that or leading up to the regular season. But no, Keaton Upshaw has suffered an injury. Mark Stoops did confirm it possibly could be season-ending. He did say that typically it is a season-ending injury, but they're going to evaluate it and make sure. But, Derek, that was a guy who – breakout candidates, that was my breakout candidate. I've said he's an NFL guy. I said he was going to lead the team in touchdown catches just a few weeks ago, and it's it's a big loss. Yeah, and I think certainly reasonable expectations. Um, I was talking to someone today. I had him probably fourth most significant offensive player, and not in any other order for these other three guys, but I thought Chris Rodriguez, Josh Elliott, and Wondell Robinson – all probably had a case, but Upshaw was, he, I mean, with his body, he was a potential mismatch, and I was really curious to see what he could do in Liam Cohen's offense, and uh, unfortunately, like Stoop said, probably won't have that chance this year. Uh, you might hear something confirmed in a day or two from UK's end, talking about uh, whatever the injury was and when he might be back, but it definitely sounds like, certainly you don't go into the season planning that he's going to be around, so... You ask uh, next man up, you know, injuries in football are going to happen. Very obvious that uh, you do not make it through a season, typically, with all your best players staying healthy. So, man, that decision from Justin Rigg to use that yeah. sixth year means a lot today. Yeah, it does. That's what I was about to ask you. You you have depth there. You have him. You have Bates. You, you have talent. So it's a position where you can kind of survive. But at the same time, with Liam Cohen's offense and this passing attack – that was the guy, Derek, that I think he was really going to make his presence felt in the red zone, mm-hmm. that they're really going to miss out on. But uh, this is something, too, that happens every single year, it seems like, with this football program. And it always happens before the season starts. It's been Devontae Robinson. It's been Landon Young, Cole Mosier. It's been someone every year. Dorian Baker one year suffered an injury. They always have one, it seems like. It's unfortunate, but that's a part of the game, too. And what's tough about this one is you're naming all those guys. I mean, those guys all happen in fall camp. That's not even fall camp yet. Unfortunately, Keaton got hurt during a workout. So, um, yeah, big loss. I mean, you, you turn to Justin Rigg now. You lean on that experience. I thought Brendan Bates at times last year against Mississippi State, he had that 14-yard catch. He looked pretty good, and then he got hurt. Didn't play for five games. So, I think you might lean towards Bates being a guy who should show some more. I mean, between those two guys, when they came into UK, Bates was a higher-rated recruit, a little bit more coveted than Upshaw was. But, of course, Keaton has played more to this point. Um, this also might open an avenue. Stoops mentioned Jordan Dingle, the true freshman tied in from Bowling Green. Does he step up and have a chance? To me, he could be one of those guys that, you know, maybe you don't see a whole lot of him at the very beginning. But if Bates gets dinged up, if Rig uh, gets a little bit injured, 
and Dingle is a little bit more comfortable in the offense, you might see him midseason and get some playing time. Of course, you have that four games to work with with the red shirt rule. Yeah. So I think you could see him uh, step in at some point. I think so as well. And staying on the injury topic, obviously J.J. Weaver mm-hmm. is another big topic. And Mark Stoops did offer some positive news that he's moving right along with his rehab and return to the field, but didn't offer a timetable with J.J. Weaver's injury. But that would be a big one if he is somehow able to be out there for week one. It would be. Look at the timeline. He got hurt on November 28th, so I don't know. I think he had a surgery very soon after it happened. So you're probably looking at, by the time September rolls around, what, eight months? Eight, nine months, something like that. Which would be a very fast recovery time for him off an ACL. But Stoops did seem very positive with that and uh man when you look at this pass rush he is the number one guy i think you turn to to say hey this this guy could be the difference maker jordan Wright has made some big plays in his career but if you remember um weaver at florida that was his first career start so he had moved into a starter role and i think that was certainly going to be the expectation for him this year and uh, now that he's getting closer to being healthy you know you would love to have him out there for missouri but, again, Stoops said he was going to be somewhat cautious because you look at Weaver and I think everyone sees an NFL future for him. So you can't jeopardize the kid's future. But I would think at this point that uh, the update was very encouraging. And even if it's not for the Missouri game, I think maybe you know the way the schedule sets up, if you could have him for the end of September against South Carolina, that could be huge. Yeah, and when we talked to Stoops about a lot of things upstairs so the way and you do have that episode here on your podcast feed as well you have an interview from the third floor here at the Winfrey Hotel it was with local media maybe what eight nine of us tops I think was upstairs so we always do that and then Stoops goes in the main media room so you can listen to that interview it's episode 229 of Kentucky Daily so it came before this one Uh, but a couple of things that we did talk to Stoops about Derek was some of the things going on with his staff that has happened in the offseason and uh, he did offer some takes on those. Yeah, wide receiver coach Jovan Bonite, he is uh, back off his suspension. His ongoing legal issues have not been resolved, though. I'm not quite sure when he's back in court. But uh, as it pertains to the staff, though, he's back being the wide receivers coach. And then, of course, Dan Brezowitz, the chief of staff, who was arrested in late June. He is currently suspended. Stoop said the university is going through an investigation now. So I'm not really sure a timetable as to when that will be resolved, but uh, pretty pretty much what you would expect yeah. today on that re- in that regard. And that's the first time that he's had to discuss those things, and that was something that you wanted to ask in the local yes. interview and not in the main media room. So that <laughs> that's that's why we were able to get that. Had we not had that opportunity, those questions would have had to been asked in that main media room, and that's not probably not the setting that Mark would have wanted. No, not on national TV like that. You. Uh, you, you definitely want to avoid those things. And uh, I think that was pretty much it from the local session of none. Am I forgetting anything? The the only other thing that, and to me it's one of the biggest topics, is the vaccination and the, the yeah. threshold there. That you know, Greg Sankey has been one that has talked about this the last couple of days, that it's 80%, if I'm not mistaken. And there were six teams as of today that have met that number and what, what we're talking about with 80% is if you have issues with COVID-19, you don't have to post, you don't have to cancel. There is no postponements. It's cancels. There's no makeups. And if you're a program, let's say it's an Alabama or one of those programs that believes every year they're going to be in the hunt for a national championship, not playing a game could be detrimental to those plans of making the, the playoff. We do know that Georgia 
mm-hmm. is one of the teams that has met that threshold, and we also know that Kentucky has not. A ways to go yeah. is uh, how Mark Stoops described it, which did not seem very encouraging in that regard. I wrote a story, you can find that on catsballs.com, talking about this. Uh, I pulled a story from the Washington Post. I don't have it recalled, I don't have it pulled up, but it was a lot like um, for people who follow Major League Baseball, when teams hit a certain threshold, a lot of the restrictions are relaxed. So if you're above 80%, you don't have to go through as much testing. I think when there are positive cases, some of the contact tracing, things like that, is it's not as intense. Um, you're right about Georgia, and that was something – I was not here to listen to that interview, but I read the transcript. Kirby Smart was very proud of yeah. that number. Georgia's over 85% uh, on their vaccination threshold. Stoops is optimistic that they can get there. Um, I, I don't have, I've not heard from anybody in terms of like what a percentage would be. For Kentucky, we know Stoops has said that he's vaccinated. I would guess most of the staff has been. Um, but, you know, Stoops said the way he's going to handle it. You know, he says it's a personal choice. What he's going to do is bring experts in and form the team. I don't know how much more he can really say. I mean, at this point, Sean, the vaccination thing is not new. I got mine in March. People yeah. had theirs long before I did. So um, I don't know how many minds will be changed between now and the start of the season. Uh, but that is something to – I know somehow these vaccination things have been turned into a huge political thing, but if you're a fan of Kentucky athletics, it's a relevant story because it could affect how your Saturdays go. If UK has a COVID outbreak and maybe have to forfeit a game. So I think it's certainly something of interest if you're a Kentucky fan to follow and we'll leave the the other. And this is what Greg Sankey said. He said, you know, you don't play political football with these vaccinations and that's not what we're trying to do here. Sean and I are not telling you to or not to get your uh, vaccine. All we're saying is, come Saturdays in the fall, like it could affect the could affect the season if UK yeah. does not reach this threshold. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned it's a personal decision. Yeah. It's a personal decision that I didn't make until a week ago. <laughs> so you know, I've um, that's that's just everybody's decision. It's your own decision what you do. But it is certainly a topic that we have to address and we have to talk about. But the SEC as a whole is almost at fifty percent of the programs have met that threshold. So it's going to be something to follow as we lead up through fall camp here. we got about, what, five and a half, six weeks until the first game? Yeah, September 4th. It's coming up soon. So there's there's still time and stuff. But any other notes or anything? I know, obviously, when, when you have Josh Paschal, you have Darian Kennard. We pretty much already have written just about everything or discussed everything to do with those guys. But I will say one thing about Darian. We went into this thinking that nobody was going to give us kind of a soundbite. Or something that could, you know, like Cash Daniels done in the past, or Lynn Bowden, or something like that. And Darian Kennard Benny. goes to the Benny. Legendary. I can't Benny. believe that I forgot <laughs> that one. But somebody, Darian Kennard, goes to the main media room podium, and he gets asked what he's looking forward to this year, and he says, "Making it to going to Atlanta." To be honest, I, I didn't see that coming. No, I mean you kind of get one of those a year from Kentucky, you know, saying that that's their goal. Uh, and if you're a player on Kentucky's team, why wouldn't you say that? Yeah. I mean, that should be your goal. I don't, you know, people are going to laugh at that. Uh, talk about, you know, UK's got no chance to make it to Atlanta. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I think if you're a player, that's the kind of mentality you want to have. Um, Kennard has blue hair. He yeah. had kind of a hint of blue hair. And, you know, he's got long hair. I don't know how many people have seen him lately, but he's got long hair and he was rocking the chain. And, Pretty swagged out, really, here to uh, talk in the media. But he, he looks like he's in great shape. He does. Um, poised for a big year. Pascal as well. They, they both, I mean, like we said on yesterday's episode, two guys who we knew would represent Kentucky well. I think they certainly did today. And uh, 
He was asked about Dare Rosenthal. He says he doesn't really know Dare Rosenthal yet. Uh, we don't really know how he's going to factor in, but Kennard took the approach that, you know, even though Rosenthal was a left tackle at, at LSU, like he's going to compete for the position. And like the NFL, whoever wins that job is going to come out on top. Or, you know, whoever being pushed is going to only make him better. I think that's how he's viewing it. And whoever is the better player is going to win that job. But there's no doubt that was a big part of Kennard's decision to come back, was to play left tackle to improve that draft stock. So that would be a storyline to watch. But I do think come first game, I think Kennard's going to get his chance to prove that yeah. – that Either he can or can't handle it. I think he will get that opportunity. And he did, too, mention that he's not really interested in pursuing any NIL opportunities this year. That was his, interesting. His main focus is the big bucks that's going to come mm-hmm. in the spring. And that's that was his goal, right, was to come back, sure himself up, and possibly be a first-round pick. Uh, speaking of first-round picks, though, when you're talking about Darryl Rosenthal, Ed Ogeron took the podium on Monday at SEC Media Down. I know that we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but he was asked a lot about Rosenthal, and he said hated to lose him. They think He thinks he has first-round draft pick potential. That That's a big thing. And the transfer portal has kind of made Media Day even more interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because you can talk about some of these guys that have transferred within the conferences uh, with, with head coaches, with uh, with other media members and things to get some familiarity. I mean, Kentucky has uh, Jaquez Jones from Ole Miss. I know Ole Miss took the podium today. Uh, but just what do you think about those comments from Ogeron about Rosenthal? I mean, now you're talking Kentucky with two possible guys that are viewed as first-round picks, possibly, with the talent there. It definitely seemed like the narrative around Rosenthal at LSU was if he did put it all together, then the sky, I mean, the potential was through the roof. And I think Ogeron, I mean, it was good to see him confirm that you know, they wanted him there. Um, I, I think reading between the lines, what we can see – is whatever Rosenthal's issue was at LSU, he was out of chances. And I don't think it was a deal where Orgeron wanted to lose him, but in order for Rosenthal to avoid suspension, he had to go to a new school. And Kentucky benefited from that. And uh, those were very good comments. And also you're talking about Ole Miss. I mean, Jaquez Jones is brought up to Lane Kiffin today. And Kiffin, I think there was some talk around Ole Miss that he got recruited over, Jaquez Jones that is, even though he was, I think, first on their team in ta- first or second on their team in tackles. There was some thought that he was not going to play as much this year. I don't know if that was true or wasn't true, but based on Kiffin's comments, he did not sound like a guy who was, you know, the way the question was asked, and I don't remember exactly what it was, Jaquez was mentioned, but the question more or less was about the guys who were going to be replacing him who got there in the mid-year and went through spring practice for Ole Miss. So Kiffin had an opening to talk about the guys who would be replacing Jaquez Jones, but he basically talked about free agency in college football. Uh, He mentioned assistant coaches, which I couldn't tell – if he was saying that an assistant coach from Ole Miss was upset that Jaquez left, and Kiffin said, well, hold on now. You know, you're an assistant coach. If you get a better deal somewhere else, you're going to go. So he's kind of, you know, sticking up for the kid in that regard. I don't know if he was speaking so much about Jones or just transfers in general. Um, but, you know, he, he did wish Jones well. And you're right, that is kind of the thing uh, with these these transfers, I mean, I just filled out my SEC ballot, and we're going to have a show talking about that later this week, but there are a lot of transfers who pop on there. You know, you've got Wondell Robinson from Kentucky, who I think has a pretty good chance to be on the all-SEC team. Uh, Henry Toto, however you say his name, from Alabama. You know, he's another guy who I think is going to get a lot of love transferring from Tennessee to Alabama. So that is a pretty big uh, topic here, along with name, image, and likeness. I think every coach has talked about that. So those have been the pretty big talking points here in Hoover. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here, here was the question to, to Kiffin. It says, losing Jacquez to Kentucky, how has that kind of changed your approach to the defense entering fall camp, did that kind of put an emphasis on getting those midseason enrollees and having that spring under their belt? Yeah. And then that's where he went into, it's just the world we live in that free agency just happens. At least now there's somewhat of a calendar being put around it, but it's still, it happens. We wish him the best of luck. And then he said, everybody has their reasons and fans, and I don't know if media does too. They all want to get mad at the kids or assistant coaches. How can this kid leave? And I look at the assistant coach and say, you're the same guy who's going to leave when you get a deal somewhere else. So I wish him the best of luck. So it didn't sound like a guy who was, you know, thrilled to lose no. or that he was not planning on being a part of their team, which was kind of the narrative put out there, I think, by maybe some at Ole Miss. And Josh Paschal also had uh, took the podium after Darian Kennard, too, today. Derek, and the, the biggest story was actually – it was a funny one, right? We yeah. don't have a whole lot of questions to ask Josh. We've asked Josh so much. Josh is another guy, though, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked really good, too, when he was standing there in front of us today. Uh but Josh was talking about his experience on the Today Show. And that is right, correct, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then uh, with uh, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, I believe you know, he was up there to spread awareness. Yeah. Think about skin cancer. Of course, Josh, the survivor of melanoma. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Josh told the story better than better than I could. But more <laughs> or less, he says that uh, Jennifer Lopez winked at him when she was walking up the stairs. And he hopes that that really happened because that's how he tells the story. But good for Josh. That's the way he should tell the story. It, that's the way I tell the Either story. Either way, yeah. But uh, you bring up a good point. I want to mention that. So this year is different. For people who maybe don't follow SEC Media Days very closely, with the pandemic, all the kids are at the podium now, yeah. like all the coaches. That is a change from the past. Used to, guys would be set up in the corners and it would be smaller groups. To be... I'm not even going to say just a college kid. To be anybody, I mean, I think a lot of us had a fear, especially, I know I did, in school of public speaking. I thought every kid who went up there looked very comfortable yeah. today. So kudos to those guys. It's not easy to get up in front of people when you're not used to it um, and talk to a big crowd. And uh, I thought all those kids, not just from Kentucky, I thought the kids from Tennessee and Ole Miss did as well. So so kudos to them. Yeah, they were they were all locked in. Matt Corral was so locked in that he didn't even know that Ole Miss <laughs> plays Texas A and M this year. Yeah, how do you not realize that? I mean, he played them every year. <laughs> yeah, like, like, he, uh, he had no idea. And I I actually believed him too. You know, sometimes I guys are like, ah, you know, I don't know who we're playing. I actually believe that. I don't think he. He looked surprised to find yeah. out that that they're on the schedule. But no, it, it felt good to be here. I think it felt good to get down here and have somewhat some sense of normalcy like when was the last oh, obviously you had the bar uh, not the barbasol what was the john Schlarman john Schlarman's charity thing uh so you got to see you got to have that interview with stoops face to face that's the first one that i've been in since yeah. I'm trying to think here the the belt bowl 
hard to believe. That is hard to believe. The Belk yeah. Bowl was the last time that I was face to face with Mark Stoops. The only time I mean, that's crazy. That's yeah. going on two years now. Uh, so it was good to get here. You you mentioned the SEC ballots. We're going to talk a lot about that. I know you and I are already different on where we're going to have Kentucky, which I think is going to make the episode even better. But it's not. We're not far off. I think mm-hmm. we're spot off where we're going to have them. Uh, but Cole Kublik, I will say this before we uh, wrap this thing up. He has Kentucky second in the SEC East behind Georgia and head of Florida. He had Tennessee down there at fifth. Uh, no, sixth, actually. Mm. So South Carolina was ahead of them. So wow. a lot of a lot to talk about. I'm going to try to get Cole on the show because I want to know why he has Kentucky that high. I think that's an episode coming here maybe hopefully in the next week. We may, maybe can get Cole, a friend of the show, to talk about that. And then I know you and I are going to talk about our ballots. We're going to cast our ballots for the order of finish, East and West, overall champion, and then uh, players as well. Yeah, I always forget how detailed some of these picking the players. You have to pick like eight defensive linemen. Um, I'm not going to front. I'm not going to pretend I. I didn't know the eight best guys to pick, and uh, that gets, it gets that way. I mean, I don't think unless you're a hardcore SEC football guy. Um, I didn't go crazy UK heavy. I put guys in places where I felt like they belonged, and. Uh, but no, there are some some good positions that we can talk about, and I do think you'll see. I think Kennard's a no-brainer SEC first team. I don't think there's any doubt that he gets that, and he might be the only first team guy though. But I think I think there's a pretty good chance that Wondell Robinson pops up on a list. If some of these media members only go and look at UK stats from last year, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Ali gets some votes just yeah. because he was so far out front of the other guys last year in terms of receptions and yards. Um, what about a guy like Pascal? Pascal, I mean, I think anyone who shows up here yeah. has a pretty good chance. As I, I can say that for myself that I put a couple of guys on a list just because they were here today. So it tells you that you know it's one of those teams' best players. Um, defensively, I think Corker has a really good yeah. chance to be on it. He would be someone I that I would that. say could be there. Uh, and then at linebacker, I didn't put anyone from the UK. I thought Square maybe had a chance, but I do feel like it'll be tougher for him. That's a really loaded position it in is. the SEC linebacker. So uh, I would say Kennard, Wondell, Pascal, and, and potentially Corker all have pretty good chances. And uh, Chris Rodriguez. I don't know yeah. if I mentioned him. I think Rodriguez. You have to rank four running backs. I would be surprised if he's not on everybody's top four. Yeah. And as we wrap up, Stoops didn't offer anything with the quarterback position, no. really. I mean, obviously he talked about Joey Gatewood and things like that and his you know, ability to throw the ball downfield. I think Stoops is a fan of Gatewood. I, I do, too. I really – get that sense as well. So I don't think that this – I mean, obviously it's going to be interesting. I mean, we, we've been picking Levis because he was handpicked by Cohen. But then again, we, we still got to play this thing out and see what happens at fall camp. Hopefully we get to see a, a practice or two. I'm hoping that we get that access to kind of view this thing with our own two eyes because I don't know if I can wait, Derek, till the first week of September to really find out exactly what these guys can do. Yeah. I mean, how crazy would it be to – that would be the first day that we get to see Will Levis or one of these guys throw a football. I think we'll get to see. I think we'll get to see multiple practices I do too. this year. I hope they try to make up for not. And I'm not saying UK did anything wrong. I've been on this podcast before. It's a tough situation this spring it with is. what was going on. I know for a fact there were several practices they had guys out. That would have been the same for any school in the country. I doubt. I doubt every single school that practiced this spring was full roster the whole time. Like guys were going to be out uh, with COVID protocols. So perhaps that was part of the reason why they didn't want people coming in and reporting that. I, I guess I understand that to some extent. But hopefully this fall, I think, 
here in a couple weeks, you're going to see the interest really pick up and uh, having people out for fan day. I mean, I think they should really try to have a fan day this year so fans can come out and see Joey Gatewood throw the ball, see Will Levis and Bo Allen, see what kind of strides they've made. But, no, I'm with you. I mean, Stoops, what do we know about Stoops historically? Prefers guys who are not going to turn the ball over on offense, mm-hmm. someone who's not going to lose them the game. We've not really seen someone, maybe a game here or there with Steven Johnson, Patrick Tolles even to some extent, quarterbacks who could at times maybe lead a team to a win. But more or less, you know, UK's not really had that. Gatewood not throwing a single interception in practice. He talked about his accuracy down the field. You know, we'll see what ends up happening. But if Levis comes in and struggles just a little bit at the start and Gatewood keeps playing well, you take what he did in the spring, that might be who Stoops feels most comfortable with. And I think he's going to let Cohen, you know, pretty much have a full say because Cohen's going to build the offense around the guy that he thinks is going to be the best shot. But I would still today lean Will Levis just because I think he's going to come in and do some good things. Um, But, you know, to hedge – you know, this angle, like, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it is Gatewood. I think at this point, you pretty much know it's not going to be Bo. That, that yeah. would just be my thing. Or, or Nick Scalzo or Kaya Sharon, well, obviously. He didn't even mention Bo, though, when they were when they asked about Joey Gatewood. Uh, when the question was brought up about Joey and then obviously having Levis, he didn't even include Bo in that, did he? He mentioned Bo he? with the spring practice. Okay. With Joey. Okay. So, uh, but one more thing before we wrap up here, I got to ask you. And I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm just seeing it on my Twitter feed. Have you, have you heard the song, the new Luke Combs song with the SEC Network? I haven't. No. Oh my goodness! I, was on there. I strongly encourage you to go listen to it because you'll probably rip this laptop in half, and then nobody will even get a podcast because that's how excited <laughs> it makes me. Uh, football's right around the corner. We got a lot more coming from SEC Media Days. A lot more episodes. A lot of topics this week going heavy football we will talk some basketball one note we will throw in here is the cbs sports classic between kentucky and ohio state we do have a location for that it'll be saturday december 18th at t-mobile arena in las vegas Derek. so the the place where they last played ohio state a couple years ago so they're going back out there Uh, we will continue updating anything that happens on basketball and football as well but this is always Powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations. Middlesbrough, or not Middlesbrough, excuse me. Pondville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. I'd love for Middlesbrough to have a location. (laughs) Because then it would just be a short walk to the Butcher's Pub for one of those buffalo chicken sandwiches that are just so delicious. But Derek, you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. Please like the Kentucky Daily Facebook page. We're pushing some content there as well. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.